All right. Hello. We are live right now. My name is Sean from the Mythos and Logos channel. Um, this is this is what I look like. So hello. Uh, and Laura, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name's Laura Dalligan, and I'm from YouTube of my Laura Redwich channel. And I am a pagan, goddess-loving human living in Glastonbury, England. That is a very nice description. <laughs> so, Laura, I actually wanted to, uh, well, first of all, I mean, I know I, we already discussed, but if I could just thank you. Your video, uh, Bridget the Goddess, was so helpful in... Mm -hmm me doing research because thank you i found that researching for the ancient celtic tradition was very difficult it is very difficult and often what you find is people reading wikipedia things out which is fine but it's you're mm. just going to get the same thing uh, repeated again and again and it is quite hard because there is a lack of written sources for celtic uh, deities and if you do have to read them then you have to go through the old text which is a lot it's quite hard for the average person mm -hmm. but um yeah it is hard to find many videos on Bridget and uh might have to make some more just to make up for that <laughs> that, that sounds like a good plan um now I one thing I did notice that you had mentioned as well um because there weren't written sources at the time and I mostly based my research on some of the earliest sources written by Christians that were still yep. discussing the previous yep. Irish culture. And by the way, that video is uh, Bridget Irish Saint or Irish goddess or Christian saint that is on my channel. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, both the ones I've mentioned, uh, Laura's video, Bridget the goddess, mine, Bridget, saint or goddess. Um, very, it'll help you understand what we're talking about here a bit. Um, but I mostly sourced from some medieval uh, writings where there were some early monks who were discussing the tradition as it was still on its uh, last end of being mainstream. Mm -hmm. um, but for some of the ancient sources, it seems like a lot of that is just kind of making our best guesses from archaeology, but also from place names, right? Yeah, hugely. Yeah, because uh, the ancient Celts, you know, they famously didn't write things down. The oral tradition was the sacred way of passing knowledge on to each other, um, which is wonderful, but also quite frustrating for us now. But yes, as you say, uh, place names and often wells and sort of sacred springs, mm -hmm. you can get the idea, or hill forts, even so many places, including the British Isles, the Bridget Isles, Brigantia, you know, you've got the links really clearly there. So yeah, you can see so much from the land, basically. I think finding, of course, tuning in yourself and just seeing what you feel, but also the land shows you so much about our ancient past. Mm -hmm. And so, what do we know? How, how much do we know? And what do we know? This was actually a question submitted by a viewer as well. As far as what, well, I'll make it, I'll add my own question on the yeah. end. As far <laughs> as what an ancient tradition of a reverence or worship of a Celtic deity would look like. Mm. And then what that might look like to a neo-pagan worshiping now. Mm. And, mm. um, at least as far as what we can guess for the ancient tradition. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, my, my thing is, whenever I go to a sacred site, so I think to look at how our ancients would have worshipped, we don't know. So much time has passed and it's really hard to, and it, you know, to, to see that culture that's so different to ours, you know, that, that their whole lives would be so different to how we are now. And because it wasn't continuing, we just don't have the, the wisdom but what we do have is the sites. We have the stones, we have the burial mounds and the, the, the uh, groves, the, the kind of, the uh, what's it called? The 
hill forts that's what i was trying to say the hill forts all the remains of the past so we can go to those places and we can just look at how they lived we can tune into how they would see life how they would see death and that the sort of the cycles and the seasons of the year they still uh it would have been very important to our ancestors so we can see that maybe we've just passed imolk right now the first Mm signs of spring so we can see that that would have been very very important to our ancestors because the winter had been very long and very dark and imok translates to use milk or mm-hmm. in in bulk is to be in the belly which is um the sheep having the lambs in the right, belly right. so it's this sort of the beginnings of life so we can see in the words in the place names in the sacred sites we can see what they would have been important to our ancestors uh, how they would mark the seasons and the of life and of the year um, and we can take from that our own lives now and what's important to us so as a neo-pagan and it has to be that way because there aren't very few recording records of her, mm. how our ancestors would have ver- worshipped because even though it's amazing and we're very grateful that the monks wrote down all these stories so grateful they did they wouldn't have been so interested in saying about the worshipping because that would have right. been too much in conflict I would imagine that's just a guess it'd be maybe too in co- conflict so we don't have those records but what we do have is the seasons the times of the year the moon and the earth and we can connect in with those and as a modern pagan that's what we do and imolk feels very much like that quickening that bright spark of spring and for me that bright spark that quickening that dawn energy is bridged so even though we are kind of our brains want to have the ritual want to have the knowledge we can just go out there and feel it and that's the, i did that this morning as i was saying i walked mm-hmm. in glastonbury abbey where there is um a painting of bridget of saint bridget on the church in there and she's very very popular around here and just seeing the snowdrops and the first signs of spring mm-hmm. and the life you know, that for me is the energy of Bridget. So as a modern pagan, we can feel it and we can do the research because it's always nice to find out as much as we can. I love researching, but um, it's hard to say in a very roundabout way what our ancestors actually did. But what I always do is when I go to a sacred site, like a, a burial mound or a stone circle, I kind of speak and I say to the ancestors, show me your ways. I don't know them. So I just try to tune in to the past and be respectful because I think we, we like to think we know everything and, and we really don't know much about how they actually lived their lives. So yeah, that's my roundabout way. <laughs> yeah. That is absolutely fascinating uh, to, to share a story on my end. I, so I'm American Texan, but of uh, Irish heritage and uh, actually dual citizenship, which is, I, I don't talk about current events on my channel, but it's nice to know that if either one goes bad, I have an out. Um, yeah, no, always good to know. <laughs> but so uh, I remember when I was 14 years old, I was in Ireland and uh, we had done quite a few sites, but um, my family's in County Longford, which is basically if Ireland, it's dead center. Um, if it's the palm of your hand is the island, point to the middle, yep. then that's County Longford. And because of that, we were in very much of a location where we could go just about everywhere. Um, mm. So even nearby, there were some dolmens and uh, mm. this very ancient Uh, mysterious sites but we also and what really stood out to me when we went to uh, Blarney Castle that Mm -hmm. around it and while everyone is just lining up for the stone which don't get me wrong I kiss the stone it's fun yeah yeah but uh, when everyone is focused on the castle the the grounds around I remember there were all of these ruins of druidic sites and they were Mm. so so interesting um then that actually having the 
the ancient and the medieval in the same place kind of in a way represents how the uh, research was that I was doing for this yeah. because yeah. the best guesses we could have written were these medieval sources. And mm -hmm. we can also somewhat, and this is really the point I was trying to make in my video, uh, that we can guess the ancient traditions and figure some of it out mm -hmm. by the modern traditions or the yeah. newer traditions. Yes. Yes. Um, that we can see what Bridget as a saint, who I'm, I'm not equipped to say how historical she may or may not have been. Yeah. Um, one monk that I was reading, uh, Cogitosis, he did say that Bridget was like a great aunt of his, but it's debatable if he meant that like, like as his ancestor starting the spirituality or yeah. literally. Yeah. Um, so it's up in the air, but either mm -hmm. way, if we look at the traditions of the saint, we can learn more about the ancient traditions of the goddess. Absolutely. Um, so and I think I, people's needs mm -hmm. are always the same. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, please. I think people's needs are always the same um, in life. You want health, you want healing, you want uh, strength, and you want protection. And we, as you say, we can look at the, the modern ways and look at our base needs of shelter and love and healing are always the same. So Bridget particularly really personifies the purity and the cleanliness of healing and fresh water and creativity mm -hmm. and spark and dawn. And I think even though we don't know the exact of how our ancestors would have gone about it, we can see that what we need, what makes us shine and makes us spark would have probably in different ways made them feel the same way. Yeah, and I, I, I find it fascinating how um, you mentioned it just being a very informal, uh, just sort of experience with nature, um, because that was another one of the, uh, there was a great scholarly paper, uh, Lisa Bittell, I believe her name was, a California professor, I think. Um, I, I cite it in the previous video, so if I'm wrong, check there, I have it right. But um, <laughs> that she made the argument that Ireland's two great patron saints, Patrick and Bridget, mm -hmm. that Patrick, and from his stories, what we know, is a very rigid and ordered theological sort of approach to spirituality, saying this, see this shamrock? Okay, I'm going to use it to explain to you the metaphysics of the Trinity, so you'll understand it, so you'll get it right, <laughs> so you'll worship right. Um, and then there are so many other stories of just Patrick uh, and his conversion of so many um, through his words. And she argued that, and I'm sorry if you hear my little puppy whining in the background, we're still working Never on Never apologize him. for puppies. Never. <laughs> well, well, then if you stick around to the end of the video, I'll go <laughs> ahead and show you the puppy. Yay! So, <laughs> um, but the, anyway, uh, she argued <laughs> that, no, please, that's on me. Um, that's on the puppy, really. <laughs> she argued that Bridget and uh, the traditions around her were taking the new arriving Christian spirituality and translating it into the terms that were already present mm, in Ireland mm, at the time. Yes, um, yes. To, to say, yes, Patrick is all about experiencing God through your reason and your mind. But Bridget, her miracles were all in nature and helping the peasantry and you yeah. know go out and experience, and it's much more mystical. Uh, there was one story that was medieval of 
Patrick preaching a sermon and Bridget is in the pews and she's asleep, it seems. And when Patrick goes to wake her, she goes, what are you doing? I was in direct communication with God. Why are you bothering me? (laughs) (laughs) So it it definitely speaks to uh, how sometimes we want a very, okay, these are the rules. This is how you worship. This is how you pray sort of way. But that, that might not always be what we need. And it can't be, it's, it's too one-sided, isn't it? It's always about the balance, isn't it? It's good to, you have to have the soul in it as well, the, the, the kind of the flow, um, or else things get very sterile. So if, you know, and, and again, also order is required or else things get very just flowing and Glastonbury is very flowing and lacking in order. So I understand the power mm-hmm. of order, but um, yeah, it's like the, the, the two, you need the duality, don't you? The masculine, the feminine, mm-hmm. the light and the dark. And in, in, in that as well. But yeah, I think that's why Bridget of all the, all the pagan goddesses, you could not have got rid of her. There was just no way people would have accepted that. I mean, a lot of them you, you managed to, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't survive the, you know, the Christianization of, of Ireland or the UK. They didn't in a, in a way that they were being continued to be worshipped, but Bridget did. And she's something so important and holistic for people that there was just no way she was going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so from what we know, especially from place names, you mentioned Britain was named yes. Brigantia. For, <laughs> yes. Um, how much do we know? And this was another question that was submitted. Um, how much do we know about when exactly and how the Irish tradition and the, well, English is, of course, mm. a little more Germanic historically. Yes. But between the, um, I guess, Britannic would be the right mm. word. Yeah, and they, call the, it, uh, they call it Brythonic, I think. The, okay. the, I'm probably pronouncing, I always pronounce things wrongly, but yes, the Brythonic, um, which is the pre, you know, pre-Roman kind of traditional of, the, mm-hmm. of, the, of Britain. So, um, so what do we know about how, um, how similar the yeah. practices and beliefs might have been in Ireland and England and Scotland areas um, and, and when or how they might have changed. I have a little bit of a historical hypothesis, but I'm, cool. I'm interested to hear from you first. Yes, I probably don't have as good historical hypothesis, but um, well, uh, there's a lot of goddesses and gods that are very similar in Welsh and because obviously Wales and Ireland are very close anyway and, and ancient England. And you've got the tribes like the Brigantes who were kind of pre-Roman, uh, one of the big tribes here in, in England, and they honoured Bridget, Bridget, well they could have Brigantia, um, which is an aspect of Bridget, but she was the same as Bridget, but she was maybe a little bit more fierce, a bit more warrior-like, mm-hmm. um, a bit more like Minerva with the Romans, or maybe had maybe maybe the Romans turned her into Minerva afterwards, sometimes it can be hard to say, but um, she was a goddess of um, poetry, of smith craft and of healing and the hearth the home which is exactly the same as Bridget in Ireland so um, even there's a slightly fiercer aspect to her now I don't know who came first or if it was uh, just a flow you know from traveling across but um, it's the same goddess slightly different name but um, with the same attributes really as Bridget Bridie in Ireland the Tuathadadanan goddess Um, so even though they are different there could be different phases of the same goddess or the stories moving across and, uh, you know, taking slightly different roles. But then we've got, yes, yeah, so many praise names. Brent's Cross, which is uh, a really unattractive part of England, but um, it's now, but that's Bridges Cross, that's Bridges Crossing. Um, you've got uh, so many churches, Bride's Church. Actually, a bride uh, is named after Bridget, so the marriage of the bride is named after 
the goddess mm -hmm. and there's a church in london which has got the wedding cake um bride's chapel as the wedding cake as a spire and that's where the wedding cake came from huh. so it is really ingrained here as a as a bride and brigantia it could be just slightly different in ireland i don't know how it works right. at the I, time. I believe there's a kill bride as well of course uh kill being church in irish mm -hmm. where kildare her famous city was the mm -hmm. church of the oak um nice but so so what i was thinking and that i i think there's something to is how when you think of uh Roman settlement, uh, yeah. Scotland and Ireland were very much the the wild frontier for the I'm Romans. I'm so envious they didn't get. The, <laughs> I always feel we got done. They didn't get done. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then that when history continued, that the um, when there were was Norse presence in the Isles. Mm -hmm that they really established themselves much more in the south of Britain. Um, I'm thinking of like the Dane law and yeah. everything historically. Um, and well, quite a few places in Ireland were founded, but there it was a little more assimilation, we think, um, to the Irish way by the Norse who came. Yeah. And then, of course, and I, I don't like to get too modern, but then um, it... Clearly, one island became uh, politically much more dominant over the other. Mm -hmm. So that may have... Um, I, I, I know that in the 1800s, there was a strong movement in Ireland to, uh, to really regain Celtic history. Um, yeah. That's when the Irish language started being studied yeah. again. That yeah. um, Gaelic football, the sport, was actually started... Uh, it was rediscovered in the middle mm -hmm. of the 19th century as a uh, then when revolutionaries ended up recruiting the first places they would go to were Gaelic football teams because they were uh, some of the most proud of their culture people. Yes. yes. So, so I think there's a, some differences in tradition can be explained yeah. by where people are coming the most, where there's the most trade and also those historical power dynamics but we can find that there definitely were a lot of similarities, but that's also yeah. true across Europe. Uh, yeah. There's so many archetypes yeah. that were there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one thing about the Irish side of things, and maybe just how things have transformed, but the Irish are so much more poetical than the English. Mm -hmm. You know, they're so much more poetic. And, and Bridget and Bride is the goddess of patron of poetry, I mean, I think even still poetry is so important to the Irish and the way they tell stories. And, and unfortunately in England, like it's not given as much joy or as much you know, attention as it could be. So I think that is a beautiful aspect of telling poetry and the importance. And I think the Norse and the Irish both got that. I think the English missed the memo, I think somewhere on the way, or just how it became in a, in a modern way. I'm sure in the past we had it as well. But I think yeah, the aspect of Bridget as a poetress and a uh, patron of poetry is a very Irish thing and very beautiful. Mm. Well, I, I found, um, and that we bring up the triple goddess, um, really very common theme in the yes. Irish tradition. I found that originally thinking of, okay, Smithcraft and poetry and healing, those are, those are very different things. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't understand it. But then I thought of the, uh, just the symbolism of the flame of the creative yeah. force in those. Yeah. And yeah. that makes me think of how we were just discussing with the Bridget Patrick duality 
the yeah. um, the order and chaos, masculine, feminine, mm-hmm. that a, a little bit of chaos, like I, I think of the the formless void in so many traditions at the beginning, right? And it's only from chaos that something can be created, um, yeah. that the there has to be potential for something to change. With with pure order and just order, then everything is static. You wouldn't be able to move if everything was, no, this is ordered, this is the way it is. Um, so so there needs to be a little bit of yes, both. And there hugely does. And that duality is something that's really just so, um, right, that balance that's really just universal. Humanly. It is. It is, isn't it? Absolutely. And uh, like day and night, yin and yang, and each has seeds of the other in it. It's the mm-hmm. same. It's exactly the same. And I think as well, um, no, well, I had this great thought and it went, <laughs> that's it, too much chaos and your thoughts just go out the door sometimes. <laughs> I'm definitely the, the force of chaos here. Um, it will come back in just a second. No yeah, problem. It's gone. <laughs> no, I... Um... I'll, I'll give you a second to think of it while yeah, I open you do. up. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to open up Discord where I collected a couple other questions. Um, Great. This one is is loading. But like my is, brain is. My brain's also loading. <laughs> good, no problem. Well, that's why we have editing on this later, and we can make this very smooth. Uh, or we can keep that in, so it's a little bit of a joke. Uh, okay, so this is from Dr. Dan Scheffler. Um, he is a professor of Platonism here in the U.S., and he uh, submitted a question asking, I'm very interested in the way that the other world functions in Mm -hmm. Celtic myth as an interesting third layer between the typical material and spiritual split we see in more classical thinking. Specifically, the idea of fairies, for example, seemed relatively unique to the Celtic tradition and those later influenced by it. and that he couldn't really find much of a match in other classical uh, angel studies and things like that. So mm. um, le- less related to Bridget, but more on that Celtic tradition. He was just wondering what the, uh, basically what an explanation of the, well, would you call it a world or th- yeah. th- this yes. realm that? Yes, th- yeah. Absolutely. No, it's a beautiful, beautiful question. Thank you. Um, and I think, like you said, you can't have the, the order without the soul. And I think the, it, it's very hard to have the material world without the, the spiritual world. And everyone has that differently. But in quite unique to Celtic mythology, this world is accessible through the land, through places mm-hmm. you see every day. So the other world, as the question said, was it is a place that is in between. It is there, but not there. And it can be accessed well, to our ancestors, apparently a lot easier than it is for us now because we've got quite heavy and kind of dumbed down or dulled down from the magic of the other world. But um, yes, through sacred places, through portals, through like wells, like St. Bridget Wells, places like that were often seen as gateways to the other world. So they're often seen as places in the earth, caves, um, hollow trees. And that's the case with dolmens as well, right? Dolmens, yes, absolutely. And, you know, going at certain times, it's like when the mists appear on the land and shift the energy. It's that kind of feeling that you're suddenly in a different space. And the other world is meant to be, like you say, led onto our own world or a different depth or level of our own reality that you can access. I mean, of 
course people don't seem to have that so much anymore maybe because things have changed so much but the stories do say that you could very easily at certain times of the year certain times of night walking in certain places be swept away into the other world and the other world is also seen as a place where the souls of the dead go as well so in in wales and i'm near wales here in england um there was often big fairy mounds, uh, big hills, Glastonbury Tor being one of them. And the fairy kings, Gwynep Neath, to name one, who's mm -hmm. an old god of the land, really, turned into a fairy because that's acceptable. Um, he would ride out and he'd collect the souls and take them to the other world. So it'd be a place of spirit, spiritual replenishment, of healing, of nurturing, but also a place where the souls would go after they died to rest. Um, but yes, it would be somewhere that would be accessible to a human while they were alive as well. Um, and I think the poets talk of it quite a lot because it's that poetic in-between place as well. Mm. Maybe the place where inspiration comes from. It, it seems like there's much more of a crossover than, mm. uh, than typically we think of another world. And when you go there, you're there for good. Yeah. Or uh, that you'd have to do something very intense to, be able <laughs> to even get a glimpse of it in a lot of these mystical traditions. Um, but that it, the, the the accessibility, um, the idea that, oh, yeah, she was walking through the forest and was brought into this other world is yeah. so, so fascinating and very, it, it is very poetic, really, that you mentioned. It is very, and also you'd always come back changed. You'd never come back the same. Sometimes years could have passed or sometimes you would not come back the same. And it's that sense of connection to the divine, connection to the other world would will shift your soul in some way. Often they were seen as cautionary tales about wandering out at night, but I don't think it's that straightforward. I feel like the connection with the other world, the divine or whatever you want to call it, does change the soul, doesn't it? It changes the person. Mm -hmm. And when they come back from this quest, they're not the person that went out. So even though the tale like oh you know you might get swept away you'll die you'll lose time i don't think it was that i think it's that trans transformation of the soul that happens when uh, when you experience these things mm. and and I, I could see the uh need for some caution in that i'm i'm thinking and as so many things it goes back to the order and chaos um that you need to still have some sort of a foundation, I think, yes. or else it can be yes. dangerous. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's not dangerous, sorry. Oh, yeah. I, no, I no, definitely please. do. I definitely think it is. And you have to be, with any spiritual journey, you, you can't just go, yes, great, I'm fine. You've got to do the work, haven't you? And as you said, be found foundationally strong. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yeah, that that's so true of, uh, you know, even in the contemporary Christian tradition, in so many other mythological traditions, um, that you it's very important to stay grounded and it's, it's good to, hmm. I, I, I typically try not to get too metaphysical, but I think we can here um, <laughs> that I, I'm thinking of, uh, of the ancient Greeks and Plato specifically, mm -hmm. that he is very focused on another world and very focused on, yes, the forms exist here and this is what we want to strive for. Um, but then there are some people who've taken that to, oh, so you're saying that this this existence must be bad or this world is mm. just a, a tainted world that's wrong. And I mean, even, um, I'm just thinking of the best way to phrase, I, I can think of quite a few contemporary groups as well who may um, take the same teachings as others yeah. and some will say, oh, this world is bad and we need to get rid of this world and make ourselves only All for the worlds. next. Um, but then 
they're the what seems to be a much more grounded here tradition of yes, there is something else, there is another world, and this is a reflection of it though. So this can't yes. be bad. Bad can't come out of good, um, and and that's something that when I uh, I'll I'll throw in another plug when the Ancient World podcast had gone mm-hmm. through the uh, the Divine Comedy journey and Dante journey. That was so um, just it blew my mind. I had read the comedy before, but it became so so much on just another level of really understanding. Dante's themes of in a very Christian context, still incorporating this other yeah. uh, Greek and Roman tradition. But of, he's very visionary, isn't he? So it's very Christian. Oh, yeah. but it's also exceptionally visionary. Yeah. Well, um, I'm I'm in a discussion group where we're reading um, uh, Saint Gregory of Nyssa, who was an early church father, and he wrote the Life of Moses, and uh, one great, uh, great comment that I received was thinking of uh, Moses as this very foundational Judeo-Christian figure, uh, revered in Islam as well, but especially foundational uh, to Judaism. He's basically, other than Abraham, probably number one. Um, but even he had a foreign wife. And mm-hmm. Gregory was talking about how, well, that there's still something to be gained from uh, from taking from other traditions and using it to help you better understand your own. Um, yes, totally. That that seeing the Celtic tradition of a world, an other world that has a lot of crossover, can help with keeping ourselves rooted here and not, uh, as some do, not coming to hate this world yeah. in just over expectation for the next absolutely um, and then by hating this world we end up ruining it and then you know it, by actually in the celtic tradition and you know pagan tradition you go out there and you you really can see the land you connect with nature you feel it and if you feel the land you can't hate it mm-hmm. <laughs> and therefore you want to look after it and therefore you nurture it and then things are healthier and happier but and i did remember what i was this world a little more and exactly and it, it makes it the our outer world is reflective of our inner world so yeah, if we like, hate this life, then the world becomes a little bit of a hell. Uh, but if we actually nurture and cherish the world in this life and what we have for its good and its bad and the beauty out there and the power, then guess what? As you say, it becomes a more nourished and whole place. So, uh, yeah, we do, you know, we do create our own reality in that way, I think. Wow, that is a, that is a fantastic... I think we reached a really good point on this. I, I'm very proud. Um, I'm good. Good. <laughs> So is there anything else? I remember what I was going to say earlier. It came back. It was loading my brain and it it came back. The term, the name Bridget or Brigantia Bridie all comes from the word exalted one or to rise. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned about the link, you know, you've got Smithcraft, healing, poetry, all these things and the fires allow us to rise up. And I love that about her that I think really, yes, it's great to have names like exalted one and queen and all that kind of thing, of course, but to rise, I think that's, that does symbolize rigid to me in Bridie. It symbolizes life rising back to earth after winter. It's the fire rising within. It's the inspiration that lifts us up. It's the healing which lifts us up. Mm. So for me, that word rise does really symbolize all the aspects of rigid for me. Right. That, that renewal, that creative mm. force. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, so I'm going to very quickly 
do a quick little Google search to make sure that this recording ends up saving because this has been so wonderful. Um, <laughs> while I do that, is there anything else you wanted to, uh, to bring up or questions or just to mention? Or um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a second. If not, I can just end it right around this area. It's, uh, I'm just going to make sure this saves because this has been so okay. great and thank you so much for that's okay uh, for i can this. say one more thing then i can say one more thing for people should i say it yeah yeah for it. please There's, go for it i'm gonna for any, make sure this saves so for anybody out there whatever spiritual path you're on who would like to connect with bridget there is really just practical and lovely ways you can do that no matter what path you're on so i'm gonna give you some tips for any spiritual path to go out there leave this video and to connect with bridget or bridey or the spirit of saint bridget um and that is to light a candle to someone that you want to send healing to or that you care about so light a candle uh to send that lovely joy to someone to maybe create something today, to inspire, to write something down, to use the inspiration of Bridget to paint, to write, to make a, make a casserole, however you create. Mm. And then also to, um, to make your home somewhere that is a, a place of nurturing and love. So she's a goddess of the hearth and the home as well. So creating a nurturing environment in your home is also a way to connect with Bridget. And I know I said three, but I'm going to add one more anyway. To, yeah, go out, to go out into nature, whatever season it is for you now, because she's a goddess of all year round or a saint of all year round, even though we celebrate her at Imolk at February time. And to, to really tune in with the land and the flowers that are out there and the trees, what, the, what is nature doing? And by witnessing that, you are connecting with the spirit of Bridget. Wonderful. Um, and, and that's very much, um, even for, hold on, the dog is moving the Hello, laptop wire. That's good. I did promise puppies <laughs> You did earlier. promise puppies. So, I'd be very disappointed so this, there wasn't puppies. This one is not a puppy. This is my senior dog. His Hello. name is Crypto. Oh, oh my gosh. He's gorgeous. a black lab. He's not very photogenic, but I think you're you can beautiful. see him a little. You're Good. beautiful. He, it's hard to see him on camera, um, but he distracted me a little. I was going to say that. Um, <laughs> and even, um, I, I think it's beautiful how harmonious it turns out that this truly is. Um, I mean, that, that creative energy is very much, you know, for anyone in the Christian tradition, who might want to practice a devotion to St. Bridget. Yeah. Um, that, that idea of creation is very much harmonious with the Genesis idea of being in the image and likeness of God, being able to be that creative force as well. Yeah. So um, what I find really beautiful is uh, I had mentioned the Bridget's Way pilgrimage, which happens, uh, I want to say yearly, but I'm not sure, in Ireland from... Uh, and my Irish pronunciation is terrible, but I'll consider it, uh, let's just say because it's the accent, making fun of my pronunciation counts as messing with Texas, and you don't mess with Texas. That <laughs> um, it was from Faugart through Slain and Tara uh, down to Kildare, mm -hmm. and that the constellation, um, the constellation Cygnus, which is the Northern Cross, so also very much the Brigidine Cross, um, had made that that journey um at the time that well that i mentioned in the beginning of my video the story of patrick and how that um in that patrick story very much pointed to bridget but anyway the that that journey is made today by uh christians and pagans side by side and yes yes especially knowing history there is not a lot that christians and pagans have gotten along with through time no, to put it no. to put it gently yeah. <laughs> um, so, so if these symbols can do that and yeah. have that harmony and have us, uh, 
walk with each other in that. I think there's something very beautiful and very good about that. There really um, is. And, and I did find has... out where this saves. So we're good. I'm going to get the small puppy out, but please go oh. ahead. Oh, no, always the puppies. But I was thinking like, just as you were saying, I just wanted to add that if we can be as Bridget does rise, we can rise above the issues that we've had as, you know, pagans and Christians differences to rise above that. We can reach somewhere better. So we can follow Bridget's example and rise above any differences and look at puppies. Basically. I think that's a yes. good idea. <laughs> as <laughs> oh, he rises to front and center of the camera. Yes. This always is, as it should be. <laughs> this is Junie. He oh is four gosh. months old. He is, he is, he is still learning. So he needs to be locked up for oh. uh, every now and then right Hello, after this darling. i'll probably take him out once more <laughs> Uni, look you're famous he's so gorgeous it's like what 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 <laughs> now, now we're exalting you good boy yes good always gorgeous <laughs> and uh yeah thank you so much i think that is a good point i'm unless there's anything else i'll go ahead and yeah. stop this recording thank you for this and uh i'm sure well thank you to everyone watching and uh I have a feeling I can thank you on their behalf for uh, oh, this beautiful you, journey you. we've had on this conversation. No, it's been lovely. Thank you, everybody. Oh, you're very welcome. I'll stop recording now.